1: back to the unbelievable podcast. I am BJ Rydell back here with my guy, Drew Mahold. And today, oh, it's a beautiful Monday, the recording day for us here. Um, and it's a bit, I'm sure it's a beautiful Monday for you guys, or I guess Tuesday, um, given that the Vikings just got a huge, huge, huge Victory over the Green Bay Packers at home at U.S. Bank Stadium by a final score of 34 to 31. Um, and what I mean when I say huge, I mean the Vikings were dead in the water if they lose this football game. And by winning this football game, they're right back in the thick of it, right back into um, potentially controlling their own playoff destiny at this point. And they are think- the sixth
0: seed as of right now. Exactly.
1: So at this point in time, your Vikings have fought all the way back uh, to the 500 mark and now control their own destiny with a big game coming up next Sunday. Um, I'm not going to be here for Wednesday's show, so this is going to be a bit of a double dip. Uh, Drew and I will first, of course, talk about this great victory over the Green Bay Packers, and then we're going to look ahead at this 49ers matchup it's of course a very important one. Both these teams stand at five and five. And are of course in the NFC conference with two teams um, or I guess three teams, two teams in there in the 49ers uh, sense um, looking to look up at in their division, the Vikings, of course, the Packers still having a three game lead in the NFC North. So very important matchup on the horizon here for the Vikings, very critical win um, in the past year. So let's start with that. If you told me, this is what I want to start with. If you told me that Aaron Rodgers was going to do three eighty-five and four touchdowns with twenty-three completions on thirty-three attempts, so a little bit above a sixty-seven percent completion percentage, you told me that was going to happen. I I would answer that the Vikings were going to lose that football game. That's what happened. Right. Well, and, and did you see what his, happened.
0: his second half? I think it was ten for 11, 197 yards, three touchdowns. I believe yes. it was, it was the second half stat line. And every one of their drives was a touchdown for the Packers in the second half. Um. So from that sense, it's like, well, this Vikings defense just totally imploded. And in some ways it did in the second half. Um, yep. But the first half, they kept things in front of them and were a lot more efficient. And then, of course, this game, well, yeah, it has to be about Kirk Cousins, and Justin Jefferson. Um, right. I think that's that's kind of the, the go to because Jefferson was really inches away from having three touchdowns in that game. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like I said before in our preview show, this was sort of his coming out party against well, in this Vikings Packers rivalry mm-hmm. um, in a sense now because. Again, you know, last year, the first game of the year, he was you know, still lower on the depth chart. And then the the next game that year at Lambeau was with the crazy wins and the Vikings I think attempted less than 15 passes in the game. Right. So there wasn't really that potential for a, a big-time stat-padding performance from Jefferson. And today provided that opportunity and he made Eric Stokes look like the rookie he is. Absolutely. And there was a lot we of hype. Might. There was a lot, lot of hype from the other side of that kind of token where Mm -hmm. a lot of people kind of expected you know stokes and the way he's been playing this year certainly been a solid performer there's no doubt about it but but we said that too um yeah justin jefferson you know kind of put him back in his place as a rookie uh and so that was fun to watch again it's just everything about that game screams at least in the second half vikings lose this game right you have the comeback uh from the season trends of you know, getting that seven-point lead early, giving it back up in the second half. Um, you got a Aaron Rodgers who is just firing in all cylinders. The Packers have been finding ways to win games this year that you never really thought of. And so you just kind of figured this would be another one. And the you know, Vikings, they give up that third that 75-yard touchdown to Valdez Scantling. They come right back down the field and they trust trusting their star players or star skill position players to make big plays and finally we're seeing that aggressiveness. Uh once again, and it's proving to be a successful formula for this team. And you, I mean, it, it, it really does feel like this team now can really move forward with some momentum. And actually, you know, I, I think this is starting to become a trend that could continue forward. It's not just one of those, like we had talked about after the chargers win, mm-hmm. where okay. They're aggressive this week. Yep. I kind of want to see it again, start believing in it. And they, they came back right away this week and did it again.
1: Yeah. And this was an important week to do it. Right. And, you know, we talked about on the pregame show that, if the Vikings are going to win this game, they might have to win a shootout. And that's exactly what they found themselves mm-hmm. in late in the fourth quarter, which means that you have to do the little things, right? Uh, the penalties, of course, went the other direction. Um, I don't think that any of them were like super, like, not like, I didn't think any of the penalties were up yeah. for debate. I really didn't. And I know I'm it was Vikings like, fan, there was a couple, but...
0: there was, I thought, what was the one, there was one that I thought was like, okay, that's iffy. But like, you know, in general, I think things are balanced like over the season. It, it balances out for the most part. Um, I, I know there's the, the, you've seen that graph flying around of how the Packers get the most EPA on penalties or whatever the heck it's called. Right. Um, and that's the general, I think that was the last decade or something like that. But I think I don't even really believe in that as much. I just think overall it balances out, you know, and sometimes, unfortunately you get kind of that, that unlucky call at the worst time. Uh, But I didn't see anything egregious yesterday. It wasn't, it wasn't something like, I mean, that interception by Savage, clearly a very risky throw by Kirk, which by the way, I actually like that he was taking that shot versus Mm -hmm. checking down on that drive. Right. But Kirk, that, that should have been an interception. And I mean, if your, if your safety catches the football, clearly there's, isn't, this isn't even a discussion. So, but there was nothing
1: to me that the refs like were wrong about, right? Like there was nothing subjective that's up for debate. Like, yes, the penalties happened to go to the Vikings favor. But that penalty on Kirk Cousins, for example, when he got hit up in the mask, like, yeah, I wouldn't have called that either, but that gets called in the NFL. That's well, just uh, how it is. Right.
0: That's the rule. I mean, his helmet is clearly like jarred, you know, at I, impact. I don't get that. that. that ha- that's called, you know,
1: but really. So ultimately what this comes down to here is Vikings did the little things right at the right time. They got the the game winning <laughs> field goal, of course, which I know it was a short one. I still had a pit in, the, in my stomach. Oh, thinking absolutely. That he might I think every that Vikings kick. fan did. Absolutely. So they make the field goal. So they're doing that. I've, they did miss an extra point early in the game with Greg Joseph. That's all forgiven. Whatever. If you hit the game winner, right? But you also get the two point conversion. That was humongous. Just run as Dalvin Cook just walked it in. I know it yeah. wasn't that difficult of a play, or it didn't appear to be that difficult of a play on TV. So it's easily forgotten. But if you don't get that two points, I mean, might be a bit, might be a the little bit different. First two point of conversion of
0: the year, by the way.
1: Yeah. So I think a that big, was the first one. Big one for the Vikings there. That one's huge. And then, of course, going down the field, setting yourself up right after the, you know, allowing the big play kind of the Vikings did a split of like, all right, you absolutely can't have this happen. Can't have, you know, that late touchdown to Marquez Valdez Scantling. But it kind of came at the right time because as I'm watching that game, and this is going to sound ridiculous, right? This is going to sound tinfoil hatty kind of. But as I'm watching that game tick down at like two, at like the eight minute mark, the Packers have the football, and they're down two scores at this point. I'm like, okay, they're going to – excuse me, they're down one score at this point. I'm like, all right, they're going to score here, and if they score, then the Vikings are gonna score, and that's going to leave like three minutes on the clock for Aaron Rodgers, Rogers. and the Vikings are going to lose this game. So I'm kind of freaking out. So the Vikings – you know, Packers score. Vikings come right back. They also score. Packers have the ball with what? Was it like six, five minutes, something like that? I'm thinking either this is over – this is going to be the final drive or the Vikings are screwed. Like one of these two things is going to happen and they score really fast, which sucks, right? Definitely don't blow that coverage. Never asked for that, but it also gave the Vikings the opportunity. Then they tied the football game up. The Vikings had two minutes, two full minutes on the clock. I believe they had two timeouts as well. They didn't even need all of that time. They ended up running the football to get the clock down, excuse me, needing the clock out when even a step further than that. But basically, because they scored so fast, the Vikings were allowed to control their own fate and they controlled the clock. They did all the little things right. It's what I'm getting at here is that mm. when it really came down to it, they did everything right. All the discipline things that can be coached worked to the best of the Vikings possible ability. and They put themselves in an optimal position to
0: win. Yeah, I mean, that was the concern here was, you know, I mean, Matt, Matt LaFleur has been. I mean, clearly an awesome coach, and has done mostly the right things when it comes to game management here. And we've had those questions about Zimmer, but um, I think he handled it really well. And I think what you're seeing, so this, my theory is this um, about kind of Zimmer's recent aggressiveness. I think you know, I do think somebody, maybe it was him, somebody in that, you know, in that coaching staff or in that building, kind of hit Zimmer with it, or maybe it hit him. Like I, I can't have this same conservative strategy or approach that worked for me in 2017 because my defense is not the 2017 defense um and i think he's starting to figure that out now that not only does he not have that same defense but he has justin jefferson and adam thielen to throw the ball to who at least one of them will be open if it's um you know a third and you have got to get it done to win the game you can go to one of those guys and one of them will be open and you can give it the, you know, let them make that play. And he's starting to do that. Justin Jefferson now has come up big on what five, six plays, like massive on five, six plays the last two weeks to get wins. He is truly one of the most valuable wide receivers in the NFL. And you think about, you know, big clutch plays this season. So that's, I mean, it's just, it's, very cool to see. And it's kind of, it's weirdly really rewarding for us because we've been harping on this for so long this season. And now we're actually, it's kind of surprising and like, I'm not really sure how to react to it when we actually see what we've been preaching sort of actually come to fruition here. So now I'm starting to get optimistic. I don't like it. I hate it because that's the last, the last thing you want as Vikings fan is optimism. Right. But if they keep the same approach, I do think they can be a frisky team when it comes to playoff time. I mean, I seriously, I do like this is the type of way you win games. I mean, look at how they won that saints game in the playoffs. And over I mean overtime. over time they go down and they throw that, that, that bomb to Thielen, they go out there and win the game. They're not trying to not lose it. Right. That's how you can kind of compete with these teams that are, you know, have a better roster than you have more wins than you, you kind of go out there and be aggressive and play your game. Don't let them dictate it. And the Vikings have done that the last two weeks.
1: Look, the Packers as much as we hate them, remain one of the top teams in the NFL, right? Like, this is a win on a number of different spectrums, right? It's a divisional win, of course. It's mm-hmm. a key NFC home victory, of course. It gets you back to 500. All of these things are true, but this is also a power-ranking victory, thing, something that we don't necessarily care about, but, like, it also raises expectations and lowers expectations depending on where you're at. Now you're a 500 football team. You look kind of like the NFC version of the Colts, where you're very dangerous offensively, mm-hmm. but you do some stupid – stuff every once in a while. And that's basically contained you to being a 500 football team. The Vikings, we do this every time they win, right? You look back and you're like, all right, well, we could have had three more victories on this team. This could very easily be an eight and two football team. Every time we win, we say, all right, they could be eight and two. Every time (laughs) they lose, we flip and we're like, oh, they could be two and eight, you know, but this philosophy works, right? Like this is a winning strategy in the NFL and he's combined Mike Zimmer, might have, in theory, be saving his job over the last couple of weeks. First and foremost, this is a big victory just for, like, the morale of this team and then this city. Like, we get to hold on to this no matter what. Even if the Vikings get bounced in the playoffs, you still get to hang your hat on. We held ground at home. We beat the Packers, right? You, st- you always get that. That's a saving throw for a coach who is kind of on the hot seat. You start to forget about the Cooper Rush game as a result of – Yeah, you do. like this, right? Now, if you keep winning – like if you win in San Francisco, and we'll get into that shortly here, I'm sure. But when if you continue to win, all of a sudden, like this could be like a get hot and maybe make a move team as opposed to a first round out and bounce type of team. Because you're playing with the philosophy to win and you're doing things that you the other team doesn't want you to do. You're taking advantage of those situations. Like they don't want you to go on fourth and two. They don't want you to, def- to try to defend that they want you to punch it away give it back and give them the opportunity to control their own destiny the vikings are doing everything the opposition does not want right now and that's a good thing and this philosophy is sustainable because of the players that you have justin jefferson i think this is the type of game where in terms of recognition and like outward uh vision to his product like this is the this is the elevation from super from like star player to superstar player because it's on a national stage now so now yeah. his expectations may be going up but fairly, right? Like he can do this. He's better as a year two receiver than he was as a year one receiver. He's more consistent. He goes up and makes the big plays. And you're right. He does the signal every single time. So it's easy to count, but he comes up with big first down after big first down, after big first down, this guy basically went toe to toe with Devante Adams. And I think everyone across the league would admit that Aaron Rodgers is the better quarterback than Kirk cousins. Jefferson put up the stat line. He also put up the victory for his team, and I don't think it's a debate. He was the most valuable al- asset on the Vikings team yesterday outside of Kirk Cousins. So across the board, this is just a fine, fine victory for this team, and it gives you – like th- the reason you're feeling optimism is because there's legitimate basis for it right now yeah. at 5-5. Five five. You control your own destiny. Maybe the NFC North is out of the picture, although – a couple I, more wins. I, that was what
0: I was going to bring up. Is a couple more wins.
1: The Packer lost to the Rams so next week. Yeah.
0: Here, this is where it get, it gets interesting because Packers have not had their bye week yet, so they have a two and a half game lead right now. Right. Right. And so the Packers have games coming up. They have, I believe, the Rams. Yes, they have the Rams. Then the bye week. Then they have the Bears, which probably they're going to win. Right. The Bears are a complete disaster right now. Then they go to Baltimore which has been, you know, Baltimore's kind of hit or miss right now with Lamar injury, and they they had the clunker against Miami, but they've had some impressive wins this year. Then they have Cleveland on Christmas, and then they play the Vikings again. So if they – so hypothetically, right, I know this is – again, the optimism is getting to my head already. You can tell by the fact I'm even bringing this up. But the Vikings play San Francisco, (laughs) and then they have Detroit, Pittsburgh, Chicago. Right. I was going to say so, this
1: next month is, is...
0: There is that stretch there, and I'm, I'm just thinking it's not out of the realm of possibility where we get a Week 17 game. So, well, there's 18 weeks now. So Week, week 17 game at Lambeau where the NFC North could still be in the balance mm-hmm. at that point, especially if the Vikings win that game and then have the tiebreaker. So it's, again, they need help, and they need the Packers to kind of not be themselves for a game or two down the stretch. But the the roadmap is there, Uh, and so this win very much helped it. And again, I don't think it's going to happen. But I hate that I'm already like it's the scenarios are in my head, and now I just gave it all to the listeners. And I'm sure they're either pleased with me that because they now have a renewed sense of excitement for the division, and I also have a ticket on the Vikings to win the NFC North this year. So.
1: (laughs) <laughs> okay. So this is a confidence inspiring win, no doubt about that. And it gives you all, it checks all the boxes in terms of ob- objective needs, right? Like it get. Boosts you up to 500. It you know gets the division victory. It sets you up in a position where you could tie with the Packers in record later on the season. And if you win at at Lambeau, you have the you have the ultimate edge there and kind of the the biggest possible tiebreaker. There's a lot of things still in front of the Vikings. You know we've played 10 games, but there's seven left. That one extra game kind of for whatever reason feels like a little bit more than it should I think but anyways seven more weeks of football and it starts with the San Francisco 49ers I'd say we mm-hmm. should give out game balls but I think it's pretty clear it's Kirk Cousins and Justin Jefferson yesterday Vikings yeah. like didn't play a whole lot of defense let's be real here but they got the W and that's right. all that really matters, not too much more to harp on. So let's look ahead and let's talk about the San Francisco team a little bit here and also kind of the the magnitude of this this impending matchup, right? So Drew mentioned before, the Vikings are currently sitting at that number six seed. They hold a tiebreaker by conference record over the San Francisco 49ers, who are also five and five. Now, above that conference conference record tiebreaker, of course, and more importantly, is the head-to-head tiebreaker. So now if the Vikings find themselves in a position later on this season where they have the same record as the San Francisco 49ers, the outcome of this matchup this Sunday is that much more important. Now we just got through, you know, it's kind of, laying out the roadmap to a division, I think realistically right now, I think you could objectively call this a playoff team because not only are you sitting in the thick of the playoff picture right now, you have that easy schedule that drew put it, put up and you do, are able to kind of control your own destiny against po- opponents that are going to be in your, in your way. So we're going to operate with those aspirations here. The roadmap essentially hits its, maybe its biggest obstacle immediately with this coming matchup with San Francisco.
0: And and right, because San Francisco to me is they're one of those. I don't even know, like very confusing teams because they've got a couple, you know, complete clunkers on their schedule this year. And then you look at what they did last. So I want I just want to touch on this because it's not something you hear about. And I didn't even hear about much about it. And I think it deserves more credit. Last week against Jacksonville, they opened the game with a 13 minute drive. So they took essentially the entire first quarter with the football. They deserve a lot of credit for that. Okay. What they do not deserve any credit for is kicking a 20 yard field goal to cap off that drive instead of punching it in the end zone against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, But aside from that, San Francisco is weird because I can't tell if Jimmy G is good or not. He's statistically pretty efficient this year. If you look at like your um, advanced analytics, your EPA and things like that, um, complete percentage over expe- expected those type of stats. He ranks really well in those uh, actually um, PFF doesn't like him as much. And so it, it's a kind of a weird enigma to try to figure out how good he is, but obviously it kind of boils down to Kyle Shanahan being this kind of offensive right. mind, you know, offensive guru. And I know some of that's kind of lost its luster. Some of that kind of appeal for him, but there is, there is some things to be, To to reckon on this on this offense, right? Debo Samuel is basically like what Percy Harvin would have been if he had stuck around and been a you know a couple more years in the league. That is Percy Harvin, because Debo Samuel is like their best running back and their best wide receiver, right? And then you have George Kittle, who is one of the premier pass catching tight ends, and is also perhaps the best blocking tight end in football. And so you have all these weapons. Brandon Ayuk could be hit or miss but it's certainly it's certainly more manageable than only up against Aaron Rodgers but uh, it's gonna be a tall task for the Vikings in their offense uh, and they've had they've put together a couple of good games they've had some clunkers and I, I just don't know about this team it's just a weird weird team
1: it's a tough team to analyze and it's also just a tough team in general to get like a feel for because They're like the Vikings, but they don't have that like shootout or like that blitz or like that crazy standing characteristic that the Vikings have or that these other Mm -hmm. five and five teams have. Right. Like if you think of the Colts, for example, it's like, oh, they got Jonathan Taylor. That's why they're so good. Or with the Vikings, it's, you know, oh, they have Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, Dalvin Cook. They got this explosive offense. That's why they're so good with San Francisco. First of all, Devo Samuel, for as good as he is, he completely flies under the radar. It's like no one knows that he is, in fact, probably a top five receiver, at least this year for sure, in terms of like the the output, the efficiency numbers, the yardage totals that he's putting up, both, like you said, at the running back and wide receiver position. He's as efficient as they come, and no one one thinks of the 49ers as being you know, Debo Samuel's team or whatever it is, right? You think of kind of the deficiencies with Jimmy Garoppolo, the interesting call choices by Kyle Shanahan, but I don't, the The thing that Garoppolo does well, more than anything else, like if for everything that he's not, he definitely is able to get the ball in the hands of the guys who can do Damage right, and it's sometimes it's as simple as handling it off to Elijah Mitchell and letting the scheme basically break this thing wide open for that guy to go, you know, flying out of a, you know a cannon towards this, uh, the second level of a defense. And sometimes it's more difficult with these kind of flex plays that are going to put Debo Samuel in different positions on the field to be wide open in space with blockers in front of him. That's basically the type of offense that they're running. It's a little gimmicky, and that's why it's hard to kind of get a full read because gimmicks can be inconsistent. But at the same time, they also like at the absolute core of this offense, they're going to run power down your throat, which is about the mo- about the oldest concept in the book, right? They're going to try to jam the ball down your throat and you know that it's coming, but they're going to basically say, our guys can beat your guys. So.
0: Right. They are a- the definition of running backs don't matter because right. they run the ball yes. effectively all the time. and It does not matter who carries the ball. They right. run it effectively. I mean, you could, you could put together a, humongous list of running backs the last four years that have averaged four yards of carry for for the San Francisco 49ers. Right. And the newest being Debo Samuel, who is not even a running back. So right. they, they, I mean, in, in some ways, like you said, they are old school, but then they are very creative with the passing concepts to basically make it as easy as possible for Jimmy Garoppolo to deliver the football. And for, you know, that guy now, another the other thing about San Francisco is they weirdly don't win at home and they win on the road. Right. So this year at home, they are, let's see, they lost to green Bay. They lost to Seattle. They lost to Indianapolis. They lost to Arizona. Then they won for the first time this year at home against the Rams on that was it Monday night uh, last week. So they are one and four at home. And then on the road, they beat Detroit. They beat Philadelphia they beat Chicago and they beat Jacksonville. So yeah, they, I don't know. It's like, it's weird. Cause they went, they played Arizona a couple weeks ago when Arizona started Colt McCoy, and mm-hmm. the Cardinals just roasted them. Right. You know, and then they come back the next week and they dominate the Rams. So there's, it's, it's a really weird team. You don't really know what you're going to get from them. Um, I, I, kind of I'm a, it's a little scary in that sense cuz it could be a game where the Vikings get embarrassed but I don't know it's weird
1: it's 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 weird because the 49ers are a unique team and a their 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 scheme and kind of their overall creativity of their offense is what makes them so inconsistent across the board you've got you know you've got Kyle Shanahan who's going to call these plays that are going to be very effective against one team, right? Power running is going to be very, very effective against certain teams. Against other teams, you could stuff them. Think Cleveland, for example, who does a particularly good job stopping the run. San Francisco may have a very, very difficult time trying to operate that the way that they want. I know that I've mentioned in the past, I listen to Aaron Rodgers every Tuesday on Pat McAfee. And some of that is because I think he's interesting and uh, like Drew has alluded to in the past, but a lot of that is because he drops knowledge, right? Like You might hate him as the Packers quarterback, but he's incredibly smart about football stuff for sure. And so that can be very interesting to listen to. And something that he said is that he's never surprised when a team like, you know, I don't know, Cleveland, whatever, gets steamrolled by – jacksonville or whatever it is like you think of like kind of a median team like houston
0: team houston beating tennessee yesterday. there you go
1: perfect example that's the honestly that's the best example thank you so it's like houston beating tennessee like it wasn't necessarily that houston has the better players it's that there are some teams that schematically just match up better with some teams and i still think tennessee shouldn't have lost that football game i don't think i need to watch the film of that matchup to see that they weren't you know that it was a schematic imbalance there. I think they've got too many good football players to actually play as poorly as they did. But my point being here is that San Francisco can be interesting because they can match up really, really well against some really good teams because they can win in the trenches. And when you can win in the trenches, you can do things that people don't expect you to do. So while I think the Vikings have more talent across the board, and I'm going to pick them for this game when we release our picks later this week, it's... It's it's one of those games that I can never feel confident in just by looking at the names on this roster because I don't know what they're going to throw at the Vikings and I don't know what the Vikings are going to be able to throw back. This isn't a game that's going to be won in the first quarter. It's going to be a game that's won in the fourth quarter. And let's be real, the Vikings closed out against Green Bay last week. That's all well and good. I'm still concerned about their ability to close out W's. And I think San Francisco is the type of kind of annoying mosquito team that can nitpick you at, at you a little bit.
0: Mm-hmm. I think that's fair. Um, and then the other thing I wanted to mention, too, kind of transitioning to their defense, uh, Nick Bosa, kind of a real deal. Um, I believe, yeah, he is healthy. That's the other Bosa that's always had some issues. Um, guy's got double-digit sacks already this year, if I'm not mistaken. So there's going to be the problems there, but I will say this, too. and I, so I saw statistically today the Vikings are, are either second to last or last in the NFL. And pass block are great as a unit on profile Football Focus, but despite that, they are number two in pass grade. Uh, so that gives me a lot of confidence in Kirk as of right now. But with that, Nick Bosa is kind of the premier pass rusher for San Francisco. Right, the Vikings' tackles are kind of carrying this pass block right now. Right. Um, saw and O'Neill and Bosa usually is on the outside. I believe all the time he's on the outside. We might switch sides one way or the other, but. It's always on the outside. So in that sense, I kind of am more comfortable. I don't, I mean, there's, there are some threats. Don't get me wrong, but Bosa is kind of the guy that you watch for with uh San Francisco. You know, there's Armstead in there. Uh, you got some, who is at Arden Keys there, who's actually been somewhat productive. Uh, but so there's, there's threats, but I, I some of that is I'm kind of optimistic about it because Packers have some serious guys in the middle and they were causing problems for the Vikings in that game. Kenny Clark, you know, there's some guys that were disrupting things, but I think I like the Vikings' pass blocking situation a little bit better against San Francisco.
1: I think the Vikings have the matchup for sure in the secondary, right? They definitely can win against Emmanuel Mosley, Kwan Williams, and Josh Norman. Very confident the Vikings can match up effectively there. The, ima- the the question is, is what you brought up, is how much time is Kirk Cousins going to have in the pocket? And if the Vikings tackles Brian O'Neill and Christian Derrissaw, who have played very well, can continue to give you enough support to make the big plays when necessary, I think you can burn this defense because the strongest level to me is the second level with Fred Warner and Aziz Alshair, the linebackers. If you, you can basically play over their heads, right? Like if in theory, you can burn the secondary all day long and not even have to worry about maybe the biggest threats on their defense. So there are definitely some matchups here that I like for the Vikings, but it really comes down to kind of that magic wand that Kyle Shanahan holds. That being said, Mike Zimmer's as good as it comes with adjusting and making defensive minded decisions, right? I trust him more than anyone to figure out, okay, this is what's going on. This is how we're going to fix it. I just don't know if he has the personnel to do it. And I definitely know that the four Niners employ their personnel to the absolute maximum potential. That's my biggest question mark. And that's my biggest fear thing heading into this matchup.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think Debo and Kittle is pro. I mean, it's probably a top five, like wide receiver, tight end duo in the NFL. It has to be close. Yep. If not for sure up there, right? Because, I mean, you have Tyreek and Kelsey. That's probably number one without even a doubt. But after that, you might have a duo from Tampa Bay with Gronk. Mm-hmm. But Kittle is that that next tight end that's kind of the, the top guy. And so if, if field, Garoppolo yeah. does a good job, he's not flashy. He's not going to wow you with all of his throws. But he gets the ball on time to his guys. And so disrupting that timing is something that I think Zimmer will be trying to get after this week because i think if you get garoppolo off time and kind of off script a little bit uh that's where he can make those mistakes so uh, i guess at a higher rate than other quarterbacks so i don't know san francisco is an interesting one it's a pesky one i haven't decided my pick quite yet on that on this game i still have to kind of you know i don't want to say do my research because i'm not going to like dive into three hours of film on this (laughs) but Um, Let it marinate a
1: little bit. I, I, I am
0: gonna, I'm gonna, you know, maybe look at the stat sheet a little bit and some box scores and some trends and see if I can find something because I, I there, something about this team, this game is scaring me a little bit more than even the Packers game did.
1: Well, it's a critical, cr- critical matchup first and foremost, and just in that, in that sense, I mean, there should be you know, nerves about it. And on top of that, you're playing on the road. And you did mention that maybe San Francisco doesn't have the greatest of, you know, home support or the greatest of, you know, home field advantages for sure, at least based off of their record, but it's still a road game for the Vikings and a necessary road game. Right. So they will be in the spotlight again for this matchup. You know, it's tough to say uh, definitively one way or the other, because of the way that this team has played all season long. I mean, basically I went through it today. The Vikings losses, they've got five of them. They've lost by a total of 18 points in those five <laughs> games. Okay. Yeah. They've never lost by more than seven. So I know the Vikings are going to be in this football game. The question that I always have to ask myself is basically like, do I, are they going to have the ball last? And when they do, can I trust them to make the decisions, the right decisions? I should say. Yeah. In order and, to I mean, finalize that game.
0: It, it's, I mean, Kirk has been very good. In oh, those the, last minute he's scenarios, been the best.
1: he's been the best, he's been, in the NFL. He's been very the good to win.
0: and yes. more. And now we're getting to the point where, in mean, some of these games, the Vikings are leading in those scenarios and Zimmer is now beginning to trust him. And Clint Kubiak is now beginning to trust him in those scenarios to not just go back and grab the lead, you know, once again, when they're trailing, but now also kind of maintain that lead and grab the win. So that's the most exciting part for me about all of this really is just that seeing that philosophy two weeks in a row now where you're getting aggressive and you're seeing the results of that with a W when there's, there's doubt in the game. You have the the option of giving the ball back to the other team, trying to run out the clock, or you can just kind of grab the game by the horns and win two weeks in a row now. And I think there's the argument to be made that sure, there's probably games out there on the schedule that they could have used that philosophy to earn another win or two. And you may have seen a different score uh, or a different record and The Vikings might be uh, at a different spot on the standings, but ultimately if they figure it out now, they can start to get hot. They've got, like I said, they've got some very winnable games on the schedule coming up here. There is, there are reasons for optimism. And of course being the Packers uh, at any point at any time is great, but I think, what was a lost season for me really at three and five. I mean, I was, I didn't have much hope suddenly I'm it's rejuvenated a little bit here.
1: Absolutely. You know, I thought when they lost to the Ravens that I was ready to pack it in. Um, and I stand by that. I think that that was a gut wrenching loss and (laughs) I don't know how they've wriggled their way back into my heart, but basically what it comes down to is it's not too late. That's where the optimism is coming from, right? You find yourself at five and five with seven more games to play. You're in a position to control your own destiny. And it seems like this philosophy is going to continue. I don't think we touched on this quote from Mike Zimmer today, mm-hmm. but the reporter, the local media asked. Uh, this is directly from Chad Graff. Uh, they asked him about what Kirk Cousins was saying yesterday about saying with the you know the potential interceptions and whatnot that he was quote too aggressive. And Mike Zimmer was asked about that, and he responded by saying, "I want him, meaning Kirk Cousins, to keep doing it like he's doing it. He can't second guess himself. If he throws an interception, that's life. And that's literally the embodiment of everything we want, right?" Turnovers suck. We don't want any turnovers. But if you get the results you did yesterday, with a, cu- a couple of balls that could have been potential turnovers, and I do want to note that at least one of those could have been a game swinging. O- t- 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 oh, or the
0: swing. second one, yeah, absolutely. That was would I mean, have changed w- the outcome. It's of not the game a guaranteed win. loss with that pick, but it's a but it's pretty very, close. It, almost, yeah.
1: But I will take that chance because that chance amounts to the opportunity to win the football game. So if they are able to embody this philosophy and now Mike Zimmer is quite literally speaking it into existence, if they're able to do that, there's a very good reason to be optimistic. There is an object objective reason to look at the stats and be like, all right, this team could do some damage.
0: Right. And I think one of the things I'm even thinking about now is I, you know, I kind of think about that quote from Zimmer and Cousin specifically looking back at some of the losses in his Vikings career, it seems like, I mean, not many of them are on kind of those deep shot interceptions. It seems like a lot of them are, oh, we got ourselves into fourth and 17, and now I need to heave up a prayer, or it's a final drive, we need to go score, and the loss happened because it was a third and 10, and Kirk had to either take a sack or check it down, and then they gave the ball back, and the other team went down and scored. or Things like that where it's, it's not necessarily Kirk throwing game, losing interceptions where he's, quote-unquote, choking as that narrative has been mm. but it's simply getting scared and not taking that chance that could have been what's preventing him and the Vikings from getting those wins so last couple of weeks they've taken those chances it's proven to be successful and I I love that they're starting to make this a more of a normal thing again this is two weeks in I'm getting probably a little too excited after two weeks of it but there's going to be more scenarios like this in the future I'm sure given how the Vikings are like you said in in every single game at the end of it so hoping to see more of that and i hope zimmer is not you know um i hope he's not lying or or leading us astray with these quotes i would love to see this for this uh philosophy continue to be the normal
1: because really if if mike zimmer can adapt offensively we'll take the road bumps for what we know he can build defensively. right right and Basically, this is this is a job saving turn of events. And, you know, it's funny because he's, of course, of course, a disciple of Bill, Bill Parcells, who used to say winning solves everything. And honestly, right now, man, winning is solving a lot of things. Um, these last two weeks have put the Vikings into a position where, like I said, a million times this show they can control their own destiny. And as fans, that's really all we want. Right. Is for November football, December football and potentially January football to actually mean something. And the Vikings all of a sudden have found themselves in that position by way of a you know game-winning field goal on the off the leg of Greg Joseph. So any final thoughts here? Is there anything that we did not touch on? Is there any player we did not give enough credit to that deserves more? Um, or do we cover everything?
0: I think, yeah, I mean, I'm still I think that I think we should probably touch more on some of the concern of the defense in that second half, um, or at least note it, right? Sure. Like Rogers got whatever he wanted in that second half. Uh, and so, you know, it's a bit of a concern. I think, you know, for me, when you go up against someone like Kyle Shanahan now this week, who kind of like LaFleur is one of those offensive gurus, who's going to find creative ways to beat you and find the weakness in your defense. So something to keep in mind. And that's kind of the thing that's holding me up on making a pick this week. While I love the Vikings, the momentum they've created that second half defensively was pretty ugly. And so that's something that I think to take note of. Obviously, the Vikings were saved by a couple of dropped interceptions and Kirk Cousins making the key throws down the stretch, uh, Justin Jefferson being a superstar. But you can't rely on that exclusively the rest of the season.
1: I think that's fair. And you know, the explosive play, while I broke down earlier you know, why it probably ended up being to the benefit of the Vikings, but the explosive play to Marcus Valdez-Scantling You know, that's the one thing for me that is very concerning because as soon as you know that the defense, the top can be taken off of your defense, there's a lot of things you can't do in front of yourself, right? It it takes less of a focus off of pass rushing when it shouldn't. And it puts more one-on-one coverage for these guys on the outside who have been fairly hit or miss Patrick Peterson included. So there's definitely question marks there. And I liked, I'm telling myself, at least as a fan that, you know, the one play is a one-off, right? The Vikings very rarely get beat like that for 80 yards. That just simply doesn't happen all that often for even 50 yards, right? So I'm going to write that one off for now, but that's something I'll keep an eye on, right? If if Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, Elijah Mitchell, I don't care who has the ball. All of them have been shown the capacity for these big plays, these explosive plays. So it only takes one. Right. And I know that generally speaking, the Vikings are able to put up enough points to be in a position to win the ball, the game at the end, but it, this is the type of play. If you're only playing in one score ball games, that can burn you in the end. Right. If that guy, if the if the interception is held onto at the end by Savage, that's the play we remember, right. The mm-hmm. burn, the 80 yard touchdown by Scantling Valdez Scantling, excuse me, who basically isn't even on anyone's radar. we, We don't like you can't let that happen. Right. That's a number true, a true number two, like not even bordering number one territory, bordering close to two number three territory. Mm -hmm. His overall skill set. Can't let that happen because that would have been the defining play had that pick been held on to by Savage. So it's a happy time. I'm very excited, but I think you're right. You do have to kind of draw it back a little bit. With regard to the defense, they got to show you something against San Francisco, a considerably less formidable aerial attack, by the way. They're not going to try. They're probably not going to try, I should say, after watching yesterday's film. I don't know if they're going to try or not, but they're probably not going to try as many vertical attack attempts. You're going to have to hold your ground in the trenches, stop the run, that type of thing. But it's it's something that's now on film for the Vikings, and that's a little bit concerning.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's the that's the big key. But hey. I mean to wrap it up. The Vikings just beat the Packers, and that's two straight wins now against the Packers. So uh, nice the Vikings are now two and zero in the NFC North division this year. Uh, While well, both are by game winning field goals, but wins are wins. Two and zero in the division, four and two in the conference, which yep. is huge for tie breaking purposes the rest of the year. Uh, there's a lot there. There are things to be feel good about with this team right now. But I think for as important as this game was, I think now you've got one that's even more important this week with San Francisco.
1: Absolutely. I think that's a great place to wrap it up. Justin Jefferson, absolute superstar. You can put the little shiny sparkles around that star. Now um, he did it in the biggest of games and we'll look for him again. That's basically what being a superstar is, by the way, is yeah. I don't even know if you want to be a superstar because now you did it in the biggest game and now it's expected moving forward. I mean, two straight
0: games. He's been clutch, like yes. like over and over. And now like we go expect three.
1: We're expecting yeah. three now. And yeah. I, I absolutely believe you can do it right 100% there's no doubt in my mind that come crunch time Justin Jefferson's going to show up that's what uh, that's what is great it
0: would be, be funny as if the Niners line line Josh Norman up against Justin Jefferson oh that'd week. be
1: great we need that. <laughs> we need that for all of our egos and for, yeah. well, honestly it just would be a way of sharing Josh Norman's ego with everyone else. It'd right. uh, be a lot of fun. So, all right, folks, that is it for this week. Like I said, I won't be here on Wednesday. So no show on Thursday this week. We'll be back next Tuesday to rehash whatever goes down uh, with the Vikings in San Francisco. But as we have laid out, uh, if it goes in the Vikings favor, this could be uh this could be a good situation for this team. And a lot of optimism here, but that could all come to a screeching halt, I suppose, um, if the things do not uh, quite carry out the way that we hope they do right. uh, this upcoming weekend. So with all that being said, thank you guys for listening. We do appreciate that. Uh, you can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, wherever else you listen to your podcasts. If you prefer to watch the show, we are available on YouTube. And there's a cute little comment section on there if you'd like to drop us a line. Lastly here, make sure to check out the rest of the Climbing in the Pocket team and the Daily Norseman plenty of content creators within our, within our group here. They're putting stuff out daily, a lot of different guys. So if you don't like our personalities, you might like one of theirs. So, uh, also check out the,
0: the, uh, written posts for picks as well.
1: Oh yeah. That's a good point for have to note that. Yeah. We'll have our picks later on this week. So make sure to check that out on the daily Norseman where you should get all of your content. It's the best sports blog in the, in the state of Minnesota. So make sure to check that out. So thank you guys for listening. And we'll catch you next week.